The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show, where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about living and working in a world where the wired, the tired, and technology converge. I'm your host, Ira Wolf, and I'm joined again by Keith Compagna, my co-host, and our sponsors, Jobvite and Success Performance Solutions. This week's topic is about change, and even for a guy who claims to be dancing with change all my life, that was, uh, if, if you've heard my TED Talk, that's where that came from. Uh, change is starting to get, feel a bit unreal, and anyone, I don't know if there's anyone else there who's feeling the pain. Keith, um, I haven't met our guest, Lisa Schwartz yet, um, but I know you have, mm-hmm. and you introduced Lisa to Geek Skeezers and Googleization, uh, so what can our listeners expect today? Because I know that's one of her areas of expertise. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, what Lisa is going to what we'll be talking about is just what's been going on with the actual topic of organizational change. It's very dynamic today. Lisa started doing a lot of the change organization uh, management or organizational change management. I'm not sure how we call what we call it anymore, but way before that's techn- even that's even that's changing what we right, right 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 yeah i think the conversation with lisa is absolutely timely because of all the dynamics that are happening inside of organizations and and it could very well be ira that you and me sit inside the storm of hr change and we're watching organizations come and go we're watching best practices change and I just feel like after talking to Lisa, it made really good sense because her depth of knowledge and experience in this field is, is is I have had a hard time finding somebody like her that's done as much as she's done. Um, but you know, before we bring her on, what, what are some of the things that have been keeping you busy the last week? You know, well, it's been crazy. Uh, it, you know, it, it, it literally does sometimes feel, uh, as I often talk about, the, that reality and sci- science fiction is, is uh, kind of merging, converging. Yep. Um, a lot. Uh, you know, you heard me say this before. I think I said it on one of the other shows. If not, it was in one of our conversations. Uh, right up to the morning that I presented Keeping the Human in HR at SHRM, uh, you know, at their annual 2019 conference, I, I really was struggling with that topic. Uh, you know, so much I talk about candidate experience and recruiting in the age of Googleization and, and testing. And, you know, keeping the, the human in HR was just a huge topic. Um, it wasn't that I wasn't prepared. I mean, you know that, that, mm-hmm. you know, the work, the time I put into it. But it just, the topic didn't seem beforehand to have the energy that recruiting in the age of Googleization did. Um, you know, maybe that's because the recruiting in the age of Googleization is fun to talk about and I can deliver tips and attendees can immediately walk away with some ideas and they can apply them. Uh, and they tell me that all the time is that's what they like about it. They walk away with, with, uh, you know, suggestions and, and tips and how to's, and they can immediately go back to work and use them. But when you're talking about keeping the human in HR, it's about 
changing someone's mindset or a lot of people's mindset. It's about educating, educating people about technology, you know, the fears and the benefits. Um, you know, the takeaways are pretty strategic and uh, they're going to take time to see any immediate benefit. But, you know, I got to tell you, the response since the presentation has been overwhelming. It was immediate. It was enthusiastic. And it continues to, to grow. And, and just this week, uh, there was a blog put out by Expert HR. You can get it. Uh, you can go to Expert. It's just with the X, not E-X, but X-P-E-R-T-H-R.com. Uh, and there was a blog released, uh, Can AI Analytics and Tech Make Future HR More Human? And I was pretty humbled because it included a couple people that you'll recognize their names, and, and two of them are going to be our guests. We'd, I'd love to get the third. Uh, but one of the people that was interviewed uh, that they listened to their presentation included was uh, Sherm CEO Johnny Taylor. So that was a pretty – and the other ones were Ben Eubanks and Tim Sackett. And Ben and Tim are both uh, coming up. You know, pretty oh, yeah. soon. So yeah. it was pretty cool being included with them. Uh, you know, it was it was it was humbling and and also a little bit disturbing to think that I am now considered one of the experts in uh, <laughs> keeping the <laughs> human in HR. Uh, because man, I mean, I think I'm just barely scratching the surface, and I'm I'm looking to people like Tim and Ben. And next week we've got a great uh, guest too uh, uh, coming on. And uh, we're, you know, uh, a, a futurist. And uh, again, it, to be included amongst them and people are looking to me about, you know, what do you think we should do? Uh, as I said, both humbling and pretty, pretty darn scary. It's, it's a mind trip for, for, for me. I mean, I'll say you and I, I get to sit by and watch you take off like a, a rocket and the conversations I'm having now, especially with all the stuff that uh, I'm out there promoting, right? We're talking about geek skeezers and Googleization having what I, I'm referring to, Ira, as a spark of success in a big dark room. And I think that the you look at the, the podcast guests coming up and and you know, including Lisa who's gonna join us shortly. But to me it's and it, you know, it seems like everything is starting to meld together where you've got you know, for at least me, I'm 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 talking to people with regards to HROI about the way that HR sincerely needs help in buying software so that they can focus on putting mm -hmm. the human back in HR. And then I combine that with life work integration, which is my approach, my humble approach to see how I can help people inside organizations gain mental clarity, become better aware of what's going on holistically so that they can manage change. And it just seems to be more, to your point, more and more often, people are coming back to me with follow-up questions and curiosities. And I, I'm excited. I mean, I, I, being a software sales guy, being a sales guy in general, I've got used to the idea of being an agent of change, so to speak. But it's really interesting to see that, you know, me and you, Ira, we might be onto something here. We might be able to, to help create awareness and help people do a little bit of improving while we while we muddle through all of this change. Well, I think what you just said is is I think we're at, you know you, you said you're a, you feel like you're an agent of change, and I, I certainly feel that way, and I'm and I'm sure Lisa's gonna uh, you know would agree. I, I you know ba based on her what I know about her, I, I would say that. Um, but I, I guess we're at a point in time where we're either agents of change or victims of change. 
So I and and, and and that may be where we're going. Hey, I'm sure there's there's a lot of people who have opinions on this. I, I know every time you and I post something on uh, LinkedIn or, or Twitter, we get a, you know, a whole bunch of responses and forwards and likes. Um, but I want to let everybody know, uh, you know, we're recording live today. Uh, we're on W4CY.com. Uh, we record this and then put it out there on, on all the, the, the podcast platforms. Uh, if you have a question, you want to talk to one of us, if you have an opinion, right? You know, if you agree with us, disagree, call us at 561-623-9429. That's 561-623-9429. Uh, you can also download the app. Uh, w, w4cy.com uh, for your smartphone, mobile devices, and you can also chat with us. And if you want to do that, go to uh, the app or the or for, w4cy.com, uh, click the Listen Live button. There's a screen that's going to pop up. Uh, you can either get to their mailing list or you, there's a button that says No Thanks. Click No Thanks, and uh, at the top of the screen, there's a chat button. You can chat with us. Uh, live. Um, and uh, again, when you want to do it afterwards, you can go to geeksgeezersgoogleization.com. That's geeksgeezersgoogleization.com. Uh, that's our new website. And uh, under all our podcasts or all our episodes are up there. And uh, you can click on the bottom and comment. And uh, we hope you'll do that. You can also do the same thing up on uh, on any podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, the works. All um, of them, right? So, yeah. We got a new we got a new website, so change is in the air. And with that, I want to bring in Lisa. I met her, yep. Ira. I met Lisa through a mutual friend who happens to be a corporate trainer I've known for a long time. And Lisa is one of those people that keeps bringing the energy. I mean, she spent a career working with organizations of all sizes, helping them better manage the most consistent part of business, and that's change, right? Over the years, she's worked with Fortune 500 companies. She's spearheaded change and development through training, communications, organizational development, and innovative use of media, which, again, is something we talk about often. I mean, if you could think it, Lisa has helped someone do it better. Uh, She's talked about... You know, her and I had lunch not that long ago. She mentioned how she touches on recruitment practices, inclusion strategies, diversity, employee development, change management, organizational development, leadership development. I'm pumped that Lisa's on the podcast because, as you know, change is constant. And if there's one element of HR that seems to be needing more and more help, it's organizational development. Lisa, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks so much. And I've been listening intently, and you are both talking about things that are both important and exciting, and I'm glad you're bringing attention to them, uh, putting, putting the human in human resources and talking about integrating work and personal life so that your priorities are always being managed properly. Um, that's That's what keeps our workforce going and energized and appreciated and so on. So glad to hear it. And and I'm gonna I'm gonna start the conversation off with a little bit of a softball question for you. But first and foremost, thank you for the compliment and the feedback. But what makes it so important anymore? You know, why do you think it's important for organizations to be able to offer that or provide that kind of insight to their employees anymore? That when you say that kind of insight, are you talking about the integration, the HR part, or or all of it? The all of it. Well, HR certainly is what's driving. Should be driving. Uh, maybe the CEOs should be driving it. But 
more in terms of what you see out there in terms of the value of of helping individuals and employees manage through the what sometimes could be chaotic business day. Okay. Well, because it is clearly the whole person who comes to work every single day, and um, that is important for the powers that be in an organization to recognize. Um, you can't turn parts of your life completely off because you're trying to focus attention on the job. And so as long as we are, we, we need to care for employees so that they can perform well. And it is a, I believe in a systems approach. I look at things very holistically. It's hard to pull apart um, uh, any any aspect of an organization without without impacting other pieces of it. So um, that's kind of the approach that I think that is most healthy for organizations to take. So when you look at the whole person, um, if someone is coming to work stressed, if someone is um, on the job and not properly trained, properly motivated, properly incented, um, if they're not understanding the vision, the mission, the values, the strategy of the organization, they're not going to be able to do the best for your company and they're not going to be able to do the best for themselves. So, so Lisa, this is Ira. Uh, you packed a, a ton of uh, information in there, but something that uh, that uh, I, it was either you or Keith said earlier uh, about driving change, or Keith said it because he said, "Well, maybe the CEO should do that." With whatever your whatever your recommendations are, and again, you packed a whole lot in there, and we can pick that we we can go down the line. But who should be driving change within today's organization? Where, where does it come from? Uh, because as soon as he said it should be the CEO, I'm wondering if, if that's true anymore. It has, has that changed? I think that change comes from all directions. Um, it has to come from the top down. It has to come from the bottom up. And it really depends upon what kind of change you're talking about. So I work with, um, I work with the, the idea of change and the impact that that has on organizations and on people. So that can be, I work with individuals and organizations going through change. So what does that look like? It could be for an individual, it might be um, something uh, that, something as simple as them feeling that they want to change careers. And that can be, you know, that can be the result of other changes in their life. That could be Usually that's what it is, Um, and so I typically would work with somebody on an individual basis who would um, be a mid, what we call mid to late career change. Um, Very often this is someone who, I I don't know how you got into what you're doing. Um, I know that I did not take a straight line to where I am now. And very oftentimes, a, a typical, typical of the kind of, of person who would come to me would be somebody who perhaps, you know, when they were very young, they were a really great math student, did terrifically in high school, and so they were encouraged to maybe study, study math or study finance. So they applied to college when they were, what, 
you're like 17 when you start applying for college, and they applied to schools where they were going to get a finance degree, and they did pretty well in school, and when they were graduating, maybe like, you know, um, uh, the accounting firms were interviewing, and maybe, you know, the big Big Ten, um, they got picked up by one of the big accounting firms, they got hired, they were feeling great about that. They took all their exams. They became a CPA or licensed or whatever, and, and, you know, went up the ladder, ascended up the ladder in a corporate environment. Along the way, they may have bought a house, gotten married, had children, and then one day they wake up, and they're now maybe 45 years old, couple kids on their way to college, and say to themselves, you know what, I decided on this career when I was like, I started this journey when I was about 17 years old. I didn't know a thing about myself or who I would become. Um, And here I am now, and I cannot stand what I'm doing. And even though, you know, I'm 45, I still, in this day and age, you know, people are working into their 70s. So here I am at 45, needing to work probably another 20 years. And these people say to themselves, if I have to get up for another 20 years and go to work doing the same thing, I'm going to blow my brains out. Right. I mean, this is like <laughs> really not, you know, this, this, my job has, is not aligned with my values any longer or maybe never, maybe it never was. And um, it is not, I'm, I don't feel passionately about it. However, I'm stuck. I have a mortgage. I have two kids I want to send to college. What am I going to do? And those are people who feel that they can't, that they have no options, and they feel very stuck, and they need to make changes, and they don't know how to make those changes. So hold on one second. Go ahead, Ira. I was going to say, Lisa, you just described my life. (laughs) <laughs> so, I'm sorry. I didn't ask it. Uh, well, so no, sorry. it's actually it was no. I it was I made the change. It was, it was positive. But uh, you, you talked. I, I was a good student. I was good in sciences. Good in math. Um, you know, went to a good college. Uh, you know, went to, actually went to dental school. Uh, practiced for uh, you know eight. Well, actually, eighteen plus years. Um, and, uh, you know, I was 44 years old, which you said somebody was 45. They wake up one morning. I, I didn't wake up one morning. I knew it all the time. I was going to do something different and, uh, I changed careers. So my path was way different. You know, people say, well, how do you, how did you go from, uh, you know, dentistry to HR? And, uh, you know, part of what I do is we, we, you know, primary part of my business is doing assessments. And I just said this to somebody yesterday because I was talking to a radiology, a new client, their, their, their radiology practice. And uh, I said, I'm doing the same thing I used to do. I, I used to read x-rays and making a diagnosis. Now I read uh, employee assessments and, uh, you know, make a recommendation. So, you know, the, the, the critical skills lying behind that were the same. But as you were as you were going through that, there are so many people that make, you know, I decide people said, when did, you, when did you know you wanted to be a dentist? And I go, well, I said that in fifth grade and then was just right. too stubborn to change my mind. <laughs> you right. know? Or, or uh, people get stuck. Now, you you were very lucky. And I don't think it's just luck. I think that you were very clever and you were very resourceful and you and were I'm impulsive? obviously <laughs> right. Some of it, some of it does have to do with your personality style, 
and some of it has to do with your your level of confidence and your you know your how much of a risk taker you are but i will i will say that you are the exception to the rule um, most people that I, well, at least the people who come to me come to me because they don't see their way clear to how to how to make that you know jump, and they aren't able to easily translate as you just did very articulately explained how your skills were translatable and transferable and how you could change industries or change roles um, using the same big-picture thinking about how, what, are the, what are the components of these competencies that I have that can be, par- that have a, you know, a parallel to something else I, I might enjoy doing more. Lisa, and most people are not able to do that on their sorry. own. Sorry, I didn't mean to, I kind of meant to interrupt you, but I didn't mean to interrupt you there. Um, what, what, is it possible that anybody could change their career path? Yeah, I think it's possible that anyone can change their career path. I, I, you know, it's a matter of how easily, um, you can do that. So if you are, um, a a street sweeper and you want to become a brain surgeon, there's a whole lot you're going to have to do to make that change, Um, you know, which includes, it includes education and training and so on. Um, There are a lot of, a lot of changes that might be easier to make than others. There are, what I try to, I usually work with people who um, want to understand how they can make a change so that they are better suited to their new role, that, that, that something that they can feel more passionately about. Um, sometimes it has to do with um, understanding their value system in a way that's new to them, and they can do that without having to start. Most of these people are not in a position to start all over. So mm-hmm. they can't quit their, you know, just quit their job and go into an unpaid internship, for example, or something like that. These are usually people who are looking for help with understanding what is, what makes sense, um, where they could hopefully make a similar amount of money to what they've been making, or at least um, what they need to make, and and so on. But, you know, the answer to your question is, yes, anyone can change positions. The question is, how easily can you do that, and how much help do you need doing it? I would need to know how. But right. I want to, I don't want to get stuck on talking about career change, because what the point that I was really making is that what the individual has to go through, um, and that the the elements of change um, what they are going to go through emotionally, psychologically, sometimes even physically, um, is analogous to what I do in terms of organizational development and working with companies um, around change. So with the individual, I explained to you sort of, you know, how I work with them on change as it, as it applies to career. However, with organizations... We're talking about change as it 
as it might um, present in a merger or an acquisition, change as it might present in terms of a, a company that grows quickly or that changes its um, product line or its target audience or um, you know, or anything else like that. They may be acquiring other organizations. Um, and in any one of those situations, there's change that's going to impact the organization. And oftentimes, companies don't recognize or acknowledge the complexity of of change in an organization, what the impacts are, what the impacts are to the customer base, what the impacts are to the to the workforce, um, to the the legacy organization, the history, the brand, and all of that. And without that understanding and without that knowledge, they can't be they they can't be well tooled to take on those those challenges and handle them in a way where they're going to come out on the other side of that change in a better place, more successful, um, more customers, or even, you know, not losing customers. Sometimes that's really the only goal, for example, in, you know, perhaps like a merger acquisition. And I did cut my teeth on a lot of major, I, I think that I'm probably, um, it probably the largest um, bank mergers in history. I managed all of the training for the retail um, divisions of those. Um, I've been I've been involved with mergers and acquisitions for a long time, um, usually from the perspective of you know the the human a- the human aspect of it, mostly let me, having to do with training. Let me let me drop this in here, and we're gonna uh, we're gonna come up to the break here soon, but. Um, Next week, I'm meeting. I'm speaking at Lehigh Valley Professionals Group, and a lot of if you don't know that about this Lehigh Valley Professionals Group, really started as a place for people that were in transition to uh, be able to go and maybe get some best practices, maybe just vent a little bit. And uh, I, I find it striking that we we've we've since moved from the individual in topic to the organization. But I think when we come back, Ira. What we want to talk about is what Lisa's seen out there on uh, in terms of today's crazy world, right? Because now, and and when we come back from the break, Lisa, maybe what we'll do is get back to this. But it seems like we've got a very, very good combination of individuals looking to make change and the economy that lets them do it. All right. Okay. Good yeah, point. and we we will be, and uh, you're right, Keith. Uh, we're we're up uh, against our break. Uh, it's uh, just about halfway through the show, and you're listening to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show. Our guest today is Lisa Schwartz. We're talking about change, individual change, career change, and uh, we've just started to kind of get on that co- topic of organizational change. Uh, what uh, businesses, corporations, organizations need to do. Uh, as always, we're talking about some of the, the the most current emerging trends and the impact they're going to have on all of us. We're going to take a short break. We're going to hear from our sponsors, Job Bites and Success. Performance Solutions. Stay right where you are. We will be back in two minutes. Behind everything you're searching for is something you're actually looking for. When you search with the real yellow pages, you get more than a contractor. You get a whole new curb appeal. It's not just getting directions to a dry cleaner with YP.com. It's rescuing an old favorite from the back of the closet. And it's more than finding a locksmith with YP.com on your mobile. It's getting to sleep in your own bed. 
Whatever it might be, there are more ways to search and more ways to find exactly what you're looking for with the real yellow pages, yp.com, and yp.com on your mobile, only from AT&T. What's up, everyone? This is Keith from the Geek, Skeezers, and Googleization show, powered by Jobvite. Jobvite knows career paths are made by people, not by open job requisitions. Jobvite's platform ties recruitment marketing directly to applicant tracking and onboarding, creating continuous candidate engagement that effectively connects recruiters with qualified passive candidates. Used by over 50,000 recruiters placing over 1 million jobs, Jobvite's platform impacts every company in every industry. Check us out at jobvite.com. Listen carefully. Up to 9 out of 10 job candidates visiting your company career page leave before completing an application. You heard that right. 90% of candidates who want to apply for a job at your company don't. That's just plain crazy, especially in today's tight labor market. Candidate experience matters. Stop turning candidates away. Let Success Performance Solutions help. Call us at 800-803-4303 or register at successperformancesolutions.com slash W4CY. Schedule a no-obligation consultation and get special access to insider tips to recruit faster and hire smarter. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show. I'm your host, Ira Wolf. I'm here with Keith Compagna, and our guest today is Lisa Schwartz. Uh, we're talking about change. Uh, you know, one of the questions that came up uh, really early on was who drives change, and then we kind of jumped right, you know, from that into I wonder if we're a, uh, we're all agents for change or, or are you victims of change? And uh, I'd like to hear your opinion on that. You can provide, uh, you know, chat with us. Uh, go up to w4cy.com or download the app on your phone. Um, click on the chat button and send us a question. And uh, with that, we did have a question come in from Lady Love. Uh, this was right before the break. Uh, is there an age when it is just too late to change careers? And uh, if you uh, were listening to the first half, uh, certainly being 45 or 50 is not, but uh, I'm, you know, I'm in my 60s. Um, I'm, you know, but I've been called the millennial in the baby boober body. And I think I'm continually changing my career, although it's it sort of fits in that umbrella. Uh, there's so many new ventures that I, I want to pursue. And I know people that are starting new careers in their 60s and 70s. And so I, the answer to that question in this day and age is probably no. Um, what what do you think, Lisa? I mean, you're, you're, you're basically the expert on this. Well, I would agree with you, Ira. Um, I think that um, in in some ways, if you are feeling as though you want to make a change, sooner is is better than later um, because you, first of all, you know, you want to get relief as soon as possible if you're not comfortable. Um, but I agree with you that it is never too late. And as a matter of fact, um, sometimes aging calls for... Um, you to make a change. Um, you are a different. You're you're a different person. I mean, there are different stages of your life. Your needs are different. Your interests are different. Your values are different. Your lifestyle is different. And so, you know, I would a hundred percent agree with you that no, it's never too late. And now, so let's okay. I was going to say, I'll add to that too, because with life work integration, the whole context of my message is helping people come to terms 
with the steps it takes to start changing on a micro level. I think there's so many books that are written and so many uh, programs that are out there that some people, maybe salespeople, maybe, maybe people that are more inclined to be agents of change have read and they know about. But for the rest of the people out there, you know, I think that there's never been an easier time to recognize that you it's okay for you to feel like you want to change something. And it's okay for you to sit back and, and try to figure that out. And to Lisa's point before the break, what you need is just a good level of expectations of what's gonna that change is gonna look like. Cause I think more often than not, people get excited about making a change or they get thrown into change and they, they're not able to just see what the specific next step might be for them. So Lisa, we're you know we're also talking not just to in, not just to individuals, but to uh, uh, business owners, executives, managers. Um, so it, you know I'm, I, I I I can't talk. I own my own business. Uh, Keith now owns his own business. You own your own business. But uh, if I'm running a company, um, it's been you know around for ten years or a hundred years. Uh, we sort of built our legacy systems. We you know people know what we do. But now it's time for a change. So you, you mentioned as an individual, uh, if you can do it soon, you know it, the time is to do it sooner or later. I guess my question to you is, and, and this is a big question, but when when does management? I mean. When do they need to recognize that it's time to change? And, you know, what's the first step they need to do? Uh, and maybe it's asking that question, do we need to change? But, you know, as as a, an executive, uh, being an executive on a management team, um, how do I recognize it's time to change? And not as an individual. I mean, change the direction uh, of the company or something significant within the company. Well, you can. It, it can be proactive or it can be reactive, and it is certainly better for it to be proactive um, because when it is reactive, it is it is usually a reaction to pain in some way, shape, or form, loss of customer base, loss of you know any number of things. Um, so, I am hopeful that you know great leaders are always looking for better ways to do things, and so that always involves change. And if you, are, um, if you keep your ear to the ground and you're listening to your customers and your employees, um, and in most, in most companies, um, oftentimes it's your employees who are customer-facing, and so they have the best information for you as an organization. Um, and I think it really starts with communication. Um, although, uh, you know, for me, communication is sort of the key to everything, um, but certainly the key to beginning change. Um, if communication is ongoing and open and candid and honest, uh, then you ought to, as a leader, sort of see the writing on the wall, uh, know when, when changes are, are necessary. And change comes in really in different forms. I mean, sometimes change is, um, is as I said, you know, proactive. You, you make decisions about, okay, we're going to open another office in the South, or we're going to... Um, we're going to 
create a new product or, you know, something like that. Or it could be, you know, reactive to the the political or economic climate. It could be reactive to um, um, a, a takeover, um, you know, a hostile takeover of a company sometimes, um, different things like that. So there are so many variables there, but I think that communication is kind of where it starts. So let, let me get into some of the a little bit of nitty gritty, I guess. And I guess what I'm um, hoping to do is give our listeners with a uh, you know a bit of a, a takeaway. So you mentioned a couple of things. You talked about keeping you know keeping your ear to the ground. Um, you, you also mentioned writing on the wall, you know that people can see it. Some people seem to be blind to that. I mean, either they're deaf or or they can't read um, because the writing is on the wall, and you know there's a lot of sounds coming up. What you know, one of our future guests, and I was just introduced to her last week from another guest of ours, Ed Crow introduced me to Diane Hamilton, and she has a new book coming out next month, uh, and she's, uh, I think she's going to be on in October, November. It's called The Curiosity Code, and part of it is, uh, you know, what does it take to ask the questions, to be curious enough, to have that open-mindedness uh, that that before it hits you, when you have to react, you can be proactive. How do you, I mean, do you work with companies to help them become more open-minded, to, to take a broader look to, you know, rather than waiting for something to happen, to become more do. proactive? How, how, do you, how do you do that? Do. Because that, well, that to me, um, is an important step. Well, there are, there are several things. Um, one is I work, you know, from the top down and from the bottom up. So from the top down, it's important for... Um, leaders to lead with a certain style, um, management by walking around, you know about that, right? Where yep. it's important, I, I coach the leaders of organizations to be very accessible, um, and depending upon the size of your organization and how far flung it is, what the, you know, demographics are, so to speak, um, and that that varies. So it may be if you are in a uh, centrally located kind of uh, company where most people come to the office and it all goes on at headquarters, so to speak, then it's it's a lot easier for for uh, for leaders to be present. You know, to have certain uh, to do walkarounds to not close themselves in an office. And, you know, our workforce has changed so much in the last, even the last 10 years, where we no longer have, offices don't look the way they used to, right? Right. So there are all these open, common spaces where people work together as opposed to the old-fashioned, you know, uh, corner office where, you know, you're, your level in the organization, uh, you know, kind of dictated what size office you got and how many windows you had, you know. We don't work that way anymore. That's a good thing. Um, if our leaders are kind of walking around, if they're holding, um, if they're holding um, meetings that are kind of like community meetings or um venues where employees of all levels 
can come together and ask questions, whether that, and that's so easy to do now because you have technology to support you in a way where, you know, years ago we just didn't. I mean, you just couldn't, you know, open up a Zoom or a Skype or a Google meeting and have everybody attend and anybody check in or ask questions, you know. So those are some of the, those are some, very high-level kinds of uh, options for beginning the communication. And depending upon the organization, and of course, my work is very customized. Sure. Um, uh, but depending upon, you know, the organization, there may be, you know, it may be the idea of having, um, you know, different house organs that are used, whether they're, you know, whether they're chat rooms or newsletters or flash emails or whatever it is, uh, you know, as I said before, communication is the key. So from the top down, from the top down, and then from the bottom up, we need to be here. We need to open avenues so that we can hear from uh, the rank and file in the organization, and you ha- it's important to open that in in a number of different ways so that no matter how uh, your employees are comfortable accessing you, they have access. So hey, if that means, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Um, did you want to finish that thought? I just wanted to ask you a quick question before I forgot it. No, go, go right ahead. What do you think is the biggest challenge organizations have? Is it speaking with clear communication or is it listening with empathy? Well, um, if you're asking me which of those two, I think it's I think it's listening with empathy. I don't know that that's um, the biggest um, problem that organizations have when it comes to, you know, when it comes to this. Um, but I think that that is a big stumbling block. I think that. A bigger problem, perhaps, is that, um, yeah, it is listening with empathy. Actually, when you drill down, that's what it comes to, because I see um, a lot, I I meet a lot with leadership, and then I meet with rank and file, and I understand from the rank and file that they have no idea of what is actually going on at a leadership level. The, the, The communication is not, is not clear. It's not getting to the rank and file the way that it is intended. And there's not enough communication so that what happens is, you know, it's filled, wherever there is a lack of clarity in communication, it gets filled in, uh, usually with rumor and innuendo. Sure, Not necessarily with the facts, you know. Yep, yep. So, Lisa, you asked you mentioned before. I want to take you back. You said about managing to walk, you know, managing by walking around, and and whether that's literal or figuratively anymore, because you know, I I have I have employees, but everybody's virtual. I, I you know, and and Keith's pretty virtual, um, you know, in this business and his past business. So you know, a lot of times the walking around is is literal. It, it's it's a figurative <laughs> a form of that. Right. Exactly. Yeah, but. You know, it, it, some of us, we, we have a tendency to ask questions or 
you know, surround ourselves by people who agree with us. And, yep. and, it, and it takes uh, us out of our comfort zone to really seek people who, who might uh, shoot down our idea or criticize us. Um, you know, so when you manage and walking around, do you, how do you prep the leaders? Do you encourage them to take some risks, to keep an open mind, to look in places they didn't look before? Yes, I do. Uh, and um, it's important for them to understand how different styles um, communicate and how to, how to best hear and be heard based on what their style is. And you, you hit on, Ira, a very important um, piece of information that, that impacts um, the whole dynamic of organizations, and that is that um, companies tend to develop around the style of the leadership. And so um, I work a lot with personality styles. And there are a lot of different models that people use. There's DISC, um, a form of that is taking flight. Um, There's Wilson Learning. There's Myers-Briggs Type Indicator. There's the Rose Survey, which is what I work with um, for the most part. I do, I am certified in all of them. But um, I, it doesn't matter which model you, you prefer or that your company uses, the idea is it's all based on sort of Jungian theory that different, you know, there, there are four basic styles and many, many other combinations, but depending upon, you know, your style, so if you are um, the type who is more creative and expressive and intuitive and impulsive, you know, you probably are going to um, attract and retain folks who are comfortable with that and possibly even people who operate in the same way. And that is not necessarily the best thing for your business. And I'm going to yeah. say it's actually bad for business. Yeah. Um, however... So so I don't, I don't want to cut you off. I mean, we just have a few minutes, but you're you're, you're literally talking my language because you know um, I, I've been a big proponent of using assessments and you know working on the leadership style. Uh, but I want to allow you to cl- uh, to complete your thought. But then also uh, we've got about three minutes, and I want to be, you to be able to give an introduction. You know, not an introduction, but to to let people know how they can reach you if they're interested in uh, you know retaining you or if they have a question. So so finish up your your thought on the styles uh, no. and then. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you kind of know where I'm going with that, which is that... But our listeners may not. (laughs) Right. It's important important to learn how to be comfortable um, with other styles, how to listen to them, how to to hear them, and how to be heard by them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's that. And then the other thing that you that you mentioned that comes to mind, that springs to mind, is micro-inequities, which is a whole other subject. Maybe that's a whole other show for you no, to work on. It sounds like it. How about but, it? Um, yeah, but that's also, you know, we have, we bring to the table our prejudices, you know, and I'm not talking about necessarily sex or race or right. gender or any of that, right? 
Um, and those are things that it's important for leaders to learn about. Perfect. So I assume, just real quick question, I assume micro inequities is conscious bias? Similar? Unconscious. Mm-hmm. Unconscious. My, right, yeah. Very small, small ways in which we act in, in, in ways that we don't, we ourselves yeah. don't realize. Yeah, yeah. yeah very, very powerful. Yeah, absolutely. How can people get a hold of you, Lisa? So my, well, my first name, my name is Lisa, but my first name is spelled L-I-S-E. And my name, Lisa Schwartz, lisaschwartz.com is my website. Um, you can book time on my calendar, an introductory meeting, which is free if you want to talk to me. Um, you can reach me. Um, my, I'm going to give you my phone number is 215-635-3561. And my email address, you can lise at lisaschwartz.com. You can reach me there. Perfect. Any final words of advice for our um, listeners? I think that, you know, remain flexible. <laughs> yeah, open-minded and flexible, that old growth yeah. mindset, right? That's right. it. Hey, hey, I appreciate it. Hey, I wasn't sure, uh, you know, and Keith knows we were going back and forth uh, where we were going to lead, but a very, very interesting conversation. I, I, took, I personally took a, a ton of notes, so, uh, you know, watch for the follow-up. Uh, we'll be on the podcast. Um, listeners, uh, hopefully you'll let us know what you thought, questions you have, reach out to Lisa, Keith, or myself. Uh, Keith, any final words? Um, yeah, just a few. First and foremost, sorry to all the people that put questions out on the board that we didn't get to, uh, but keep them coming as the, as the podcast, keep moving forward. And, you know, it's, it's, I, the part that I love the most about this, Ira, and I feel like I'm a broken record here, but... Um, for those of you that don't know what a record is, it's a musical. It's going to be a short record, Keith. <laughs> right, right. Um, I just love how the the wired, tired, and technology really does converge on the podcast, and the topics are just off the charts good for for just seeing the perspective of what it could be done on an individual level and just admiring what some people like Lisa have been doing in their career with organizations to help them really make a difference with regards to the, uh, you know, the work experience people have for their lives. Yeah, super. Hey, and uh, just one thing, I know we talked, uh, we started out talking about keeping the human in HR, and uh, we talked a lot about that, and I'm going to finish up uh, in two weeks, uh, August 7th, I believe it is, uh, there's a uh, virtual summit, tech, uh, it's on Bright Talk, that's Bright Talk, B-R-I-G-H-T-T-A. LK.com. Uh, if you go up, click on summits, uh, you'll see technology 2.0. And I'm giving three different uh, presentations uh, over two days. And one of them happens to be my talk on keeping the human in HR. So uh, it's free. Go up and sign up for it. And uh, I think there's going to be recordings as well. And uh, we've we got to wrap this up. Uh, we're at the end of up. another Geek Skeezers and Googleization show. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. We always are interested in hearing what you got to say. So hopefully uh, we'll get some more calls, but definitely more chats uh, going. Uh, follow us on uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, podcasts. Uh, leave some comments. Uh, let us know uh, what you want to hear. Uh, next week we're talking with Frank Diana. Uh, or Frank Diane, and uh, he's a futurist and a really cool guy, so excited about that. Thanks again to Job Fight and Success Performance Solutions. Don't forget to join us next week, Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, W4CY.com. Download the app, listen to our podcast on Apple 
podcasts, SoundCloud, uh, Amazon, Google Play. Until next week, don't let the shift hit your plan. <laughs> <laughs>